0: celebration i'm chris and if you were here last week i'm sort of like portrayed as the one here to guilt you in the (laughs) serving guilting you into getting into a small group i've been almost thrown out of cars for chewing gum and um and all kinds of sorts of things that really i don't know if they're true or not so um so I'm sorry that, no, I'm just kidding. That is me. So, and, uh, and it's just, just a part of who I am. So, um, But um, <laughs> thanks, Miss Bobby. And, um, no, um, one of the things that um, I get privileged to do here at Celebration, and if you don't know this, I love this church, and I hope you do too. Um, because God has used this church in such a tremendous way in my life and my family's life. And every week I get to see God doing it over and over again in guys' lives. And so I'm so thankful just to be a part of that that I get to sit back. And, and so a lot of people ask, well, what do you do all week? I don't know, but I'm tired. And so um, it even causes heart attacks. So, now I'm just kidding. I can crack jokes about that now. Um, because we're coming up a year past that, so I can crack jokes about it now. Um, but one of the, one of the privileges is, um, being able to work with some of our teams who serve. And, um, this past week, an amazing thing happened is that we were getting ready for one of our provision ministry, just kind of yearly meetings. If you don't know this, we're not a meetings heavy church. We don't like meetings. I don't like meetings either. And so we just choose not to have them and send out a bunch of emails sometimes, and um, but we were getting together for our provision team, and if what you don't know about our provision team, what they do is on a weekly, on a monthly basis, they provide um, just three or four or five meals, bags of food for our families in need. And um, this ministry has been going on for several years now, and um, it started with just um, just a handful of people just having the vision and taking and, and getting getting started with it. Well, we were getting ready and we were putting together just some numbers to kind of go over um, of just kind of what was going on for Vision Ministry, and I said, "Well, let me just calculate, just see how many bags that we did this past year that we were able to give away." And um, so I calculated it all up and. I was just like, wow, that's pretty amazing. We gave away last year 415 bags of food to, to families and all. And so I was just, I was like, wow, praise God, that's pretty amazing that we were able to do that. Well, then I said, well, let me check back to 2014 and just kind of see where we were in 2014 and just kind of see just kind of how, go- how we're going on target and stuff. And so I calculated all the numbers um, because I'm bad about keeping records. And if I would have been smart, I would have kept the records from the year before. Um, but... I calculated it up. Last year, or 2014, we only gave away 261 bags. And so 261 to 415. Praise God! But here's where I thought was actually more amazing of being able to see God work. Some of you, and praise God, thank you for doing this. Some of you actually give money to Provision Ministry um, just to, just to help out, and you, that's where your heart is, and so you give to it. Here's what's more amazing about that right there. I started looking at some of the some of the finances behind it, and last year, from the start of 2014 to the end of 2014 or 2015, with an increase of over 60 percent. There was only $300 less in the Provision Ministries designated um, fund of what's given to that. And so that is a huge testimony of who you are as a church because if you don't get that, they spent a whole lot more money this year with only a little bit less being out of that. And so I want you to just be able to capture that and be able to understand just kind of what God is doing because all of our ministries, it starts in the heart of the people and it starts really just with them wanting to make a difference for the gospel. <coughs> Sorry, they had to put someone up here with a cold, didn't they? And um, we'll blame Pastor Mike for that. So, and, um, but, but I want you to see just kind of really how incredible it is to see the Holy Spirit work within that. Well, this morning, like I said, last week we began a series of living a life worthy of the gospel and walking through the book of Philippians, and we we were going so great after one week we had to take a break and so we decided to and so this week I decided that just after prayer I didn't really have time for much prayer because I only had a few hours to get ready so we're cutting our prayer time short for that Um, but but really just started seeking just really okay Lord what direction do I go with this and and where do we go with this and one of the things that really just my heart gravitates to is the fact of us knowing the gospel and making sure that we understand the gospel. Because if the title of the sermon series is Living a Life Worthy of the Gospel, what does that mean? How does that relate? What are we to do with the gospel? And how? what exactly is it? And so I hope this morning that you're able to really catch a glimpse and get a, just be able to capture and understand the gospel and how great of a God that we serve and how great of a Savior that we have because of what Jesus Christ did for our sake, just so that we would be able to have a relationship with God. Well, Revelation kind of drew me to this. Now, I know some of you, as soon as I said the book of Revelation, you were so excited because you thought that I was going to start doing some end-time prophecy and all kinds of other stuff like that. But sorry, I'm not going there. All right, we're going, to, we're going to just stick to the gospel. We're not going end times. I know some of you are kind of like, crazy. okay, Chris, can you please name the Antichrist? No, we're not doing it. And so I want us to just really... Focus. See, I knew there was some of y'all in here, and last hour, the nine o'clock hour, there was more of them in there. So you should have heard their response whenever I said that. And um, but this passage, there's a few things that I want us to look at and to be able to walk through and be able to understand exactly the nature of the gospel. If you're not familiar with the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation is a, is in the genre of prophecy. And it was written by John the Apostle, who was also um, with Jesus, one of the apostles. But he also wrote the Gospel of John in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And he wrote the book of Revelation while he was on the island of Patmos, out in the middle of the Aegean Sea, close to the Mediterranean Sea. Pretty much he was just out there by himself in exile, just having fun writing stuff and having visions. Um, But this vision is absolutely what God revealed to him and gave to him is absolutely incredible, especially for the life of a believer. First in Revelation, John starts off and he starts walking through the seven through these letters to seven churches. And after the seven churches, he actually starts to have a vision around God's throne. And around God's throne, um, lightning, all of this th- stuff is taking place. Um, but this is where we get, walk through chapter 4 and we get to chapter 5. Whenever the vision is still going on, but actually John, something else kind of takes place within that. What happens is John actually sees the right hand of God actually stretch out with a scroll. And this scroll is very unique because the scroll has seven seals and it has writing on both sides. And what's amazing about this scroll is that during this time period, the only type of scroll that would have like seals like this on it and then also have writing on front and back is a seal that was of some sort of contract. And so you have God who is, has a letter, a scroll, because scrolls is what they used during that time period to actually deliver words and to be able to write out what the messages were. Now, what's one of the things about scrolls is there's only so much space that you can write out in a scroll. Once it's gone, it's gone. There was a lot of times in college, I wish Microsoft Word had an end because sometimes it's hard typing a two- to three-page paper. And so, And so... And so this scroll only had a certain amount of information. And then it's rolled up and it's sealed with these seven seals. And what we're able to kind of understand about this is that it is some sort of contract. And it is something that is used that they would use during that time period to either be a will or a deed or a contract of some sort. Um, But what's amazing is that whenever we start asking the question, why does God need a contract? I mean, we're used to contracts all the time. I know some of you are are notaries in here and you stamp it and you sign it and it's verifying that that you saw it and you were a witness there. Um, But why would God need a contract? And why would God write a letter that was be of such importance like that? Well, I think the clues lie in the fact of why he was actually handing it out and also kind of the characteristics of what the scroll is. But I believe what the the scrolls were, they were actually uh, the revelation of God, showing the history of God's redemptive plan. But also, it was the coming judgment and restoration of of creation that is to come. Specifically, if you continue reading in in chapter 6, it starts talking about the seven seals. But John Piper says it like this, So the scroll, scroll contains God's plans for the future. The struggles and the victories of the gospel as well as the judgments on those who reject it. The opening of the seals is the course of history leading up to the end. And the rest of the scroll is the story of the end of the world and the final triumph of God's kingdom. It's the gospel story. It's God's story for us. Now, do we know what exactly is written in this? We don't know. There's there's a lot of things... But I do believe that it is the story of God's redemptive plan for mankind as he unfolded it through history after the fall, but then also what is to come and what is going to take place, the judgment that some will face, but eventually what is going to take place as believers in Christ where we face the restoration of the kingdom and being able to be united with Jesus Christ. Why is this important? Why is understanding what a scroll is Important to us? Why is understanding what is written in this scroll important to us? There is huge importance in the life of a believer to this because, first of all, it shows us that very clearly that the gospel story began with the Father. The gospel story, as it was being written after the fall, it started with the Father. The Father had all intentions to provide a way for mankind to be saved by grace. The Father was the one who was actually working and orchestrating history just so that we would be able to know and to be able to have a way to be redeemed by His Son, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. God the Father was active. In, in history taking place. Remember Galatians 4.4, 4, whenever it says that in the fullness of time, God brought forth His Son. And I know Pastor Mike recently preached on this, Galatians 4.4, 4, but God orchestrated all of these events to take place just so that that time period would be the perfect time for Jesus Christ to come to this earth and to live for 33 years. The Father wasn't just some God who is sitting back, not caring about his creation and caring about his people. The God that we serve is a God who cares about each and every one of us, who cares about the minute details of each and every one of us within our life. Because if God wasn't like this, then it would be sort of like this. You know, Nassau County is growing at a pretty rapid pace, right? There's a lot of new homes coming into this area, right? All right. If you haven't seen any new homes being built, you haven't been outside much. So and, uh, and so there are a ton of new homes being built in this community. The one thing that you hope for from your builder is that you never see them again. Right? You hope. That if they, if they build the house, you hope that they do an incredible job and then you're able to buy it and take it and move on and, and then you never have to do that. Then they go on and move, build other houses as well. Well, part of this right here, picture the fact if God was someone who just left us alone and said, that's it, I created you, you, have, you go and do your own thing. That's not the God that we serve. The God that we serve is, is a builder who keeps working and keeps moving and keeps working within our life at about what is happening, what is taking place. But I think another part of this, kind of a little bit of a sidebar here, I think going back to the house illustration with all of the new Um, buildings and all of the new um, houses within this area should be a challenge to us church, Celebration Baptist Church to make sure that we do everything that we can to make the gospel known in this community I think that it is a challenge one of the things that my prayer has been ever since I came on staff was that my prayer is that we would have a small group in every single neighborhood from Timber Creek and River Glen all the way to the island you're like, Chris, that's a big goal. Man, we serve a big God. I believe that God can do it because what happens whenever these small groups are within the communities, then we're able to pray and to know what's going on in our neighborhood to be able to go- be a gospel influence and, and to be able to make the gospel known in our neighborhood. So how many is ready to start a small group? Where we go. Thanks for being excited. So, <laughs> special about our small group ministry. Sorry, y'all. Being the small groups pastor, I have to take that road. So any chance I get to talk about small groups, sorry. It's my guilt trip factor. So, um, But going back to this, that within the gospel story, the father who was at first one acting within this. But a second part of this is that the gospel story could not take place through man because of our sin. Look at what happens with John. John, in verse 2, he says... And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals and no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it and I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it who's worthy to open the scroll nobody on heaven in heaven on earth or under the earth no man could break The seals and open the scroll. Why? Because every single one of us is eaten up by sin. There is not a one of us who is not eaten up by sin. Adam could not open the scroll. Moses could not open the scroll. Noah could not open the scroll. Paul could not open the scroll. Muhammad could not open the scroll. Buddha could not open the scroll. Gonda could not open the scroll. Napoleon, George Washington, you or me, any of us could ever open the scroll that God was handing handing forth that day. Not a single one of us. Now, I know that we're in an election year and the politicians are going to promise you they can open the scroll. They can't open the scroll either. So I don't care what they say. They can't open the scroll either. And the reason is, is because of sin. Listen to what Isaiah 59 2 says. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Our sins have separated us from God. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Who? All. What does all mean? Every single one of us. So every single one of us is invaded by sin and which prevents us from being able to even come close to the glory of God. Some of you may be saying, well, Chris, I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad of a person, Chris. Really? Okay, let's talk about that. Because think about it like this. Have you ever lied? None of y'all have lied. (laughs) Y'all are lying right now. Have any of you taken the Lord's name in vain? Have any of you ever stolen? Out of all three of those, you've sinned. Go through the Ten Commandments and I can guarantee you they will hit you and they will prove of your need for a Savior. The Ten Commandments' purpose is to show us of our need and to show us really that we are sinners and we have sin within us. A lot of times in today's modern society, there is a belief that is coming forth that is saying and that is showing. It says, hey, you are a pretty good person. And in today's modern society, in the culture that we live in, we are facing a culture that shows us that you are inherently a good person. So therefore, as a good person, people should inherently do good things as a result. And that's what you hear over and over and over again, that people are good people. And so whenever um, terrible things happen and, and just mass things happen... There's this, there's this belief that says, well, I cannot believe that that could ever happen. Let me go ahead and tell you, your sinfulness, you are capable of so much more wicked than you could ever imagine because of the sin that abides within you. And the only way that we are good nowadays, we may do good things, but we are not good apart from Jesus Christ. We are only good because of the grace of God and through Jesus Christ. And then Jesus, though, because though, even though we cannot open the sin, open the scroll, and man could actually has no part of opening that scroll and the gospel story plan. A third thing that we're able to see here is that the gospel story conquered that problem. The gospel story conquered sin. It conquered sin within our lives. Whenever you look at this passage in verse number five. It says, And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered, so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Now, what's amazing about this, whenever you look at this reference to Jesus Christ, there's three things that you're able to see in this this reference. First of all, he's referencing to him as a lion which is the most amazing of beasts, the most incredible of hunters. Just Whenever you think of incredible animals, the lion is one of the first ones that come to our mind. And they didn't use any other animal other than the lion. But the lion was also the symbol of the tribe of Judah. The tribe of Judah, during that time period, the tribe of Judah was actually the Messianic prophecy was that Jesus Christ, the Messiah who was to come, would come from the tribe of Judah, in which he did. And so this was actually also a um, fulfillment of that Messianic prophecy from the Old Testament. But also in Isaiah 11, a third thing of this is the fact that Jesus is prophesied as coming from the root of David. We find that in Isaiah chapter 11, that the root of David was saying that the messiah that was to come would come from the one of david's descendants and would be able to sit on the throne forever and ever and ever jesus fulfilled all of that but with him fulfilling that i, I believe wholeheartedly the most amazing part of this is whenever you look at verse 5 and it says has conquered has conquered Jesus Christ has conquered sin. And whenever you look at verse 9, you're able to see a part of that. Whenever it says, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. He did that for our sake. He conquered sin for our sake. Whenever we think of conquering armies and conquering battles, we think of the tanks and the guns and the jets coming in. But Jesus Christ was able to conquer sin by being Nailed to a cross and dying and raising again in three days for our sake. Being a ransom for our sake. If you know what a ransom is, it is paying a penalty and paying a price to be able to get something back. God the Father paid the price through His Son Jesus Christ to get us. Because sin held us captive. But not only did He conquer sin, but we're able to see what happens as a result of the conquering of sin is that within us, there is a restoration of us, but also there is a restoration within creation. Verses 6 through 10 says this, "...and between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain, and seven horns and with seven eyes and with seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne." And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, holding a harp and golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its scrolls. For you that were slain by your blood, you ransomed people for God, for every tribe, language, people, and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on earth. It will not matter what country you were from, it will not matter what language you spoke, it will not matter anything about where you were from, what tribe, or what people. Every single person who has been redeemed by Jesus Christ will be able to be together and to be able to worship the king forever and ever. And what's going to take place? It says, you have made them a kingdom and a priest to our God. We are going to be able to reign there. So there is going to be a restored creation and a restored us within us. Because here's what we are craving. As believers, we have more hope than anybody else, right? We should have, do we? All right. Because our hope is in Jesus Christ. Our hope is in the fact that one day, our sin battles that we fight on a daily basis, man, they're going to be conquered. They've already been conquered. But as a believer, we still struggle with sin, and one day, all of it is going to be conquered and taken place. And we will be completely redeemed and be able to be, no longer have the battle of sin anymore. But not only will we ourselves be taken care of, but what's going to also take place is that we're going to have a restored creation that Isaiah talks about. This restored creation, it says that the desert will blossom like a rose. The day will come when the waste places of the earth will be like the gardens of paradise The day will come when the wolf will dwell with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the kid, and the lion will eat straw like an ox. The day will come when children will play with snakes, and they will not be hurt or destroyed by them. That is what we have to look forward to, is a restored Eden. This is to come for us. But the final part of this is that, because maybe you're sitting back and you're like, Chris... I'm still not so much about me being a sinner and my need of a Savior. Well, let me challenge you on this. You may not think that you need Jesus right now, but you will bow to Jesus one day. You will bow down to Jesus and worship Him. In the final part of chapter 5, it says this. It says in verse 13, And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Do you catch that? Every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. Philippians 2.10, Paul says, So that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. So even while people... Or perishing, they will still bow down to Jesus. So I beg with you and I plead with you don't reject Jesus. Because if the Holy Spirit is calling you to salvation, you can't help but to repent and believe. And you don't have to wait on anyone to lead you in a prayer. All that you have to do is cry out with your heart to repent and believe. That is what Christ is calling us to do. And whenever the Holy Spirit invades us, we can't reject it. So let me ask you this morning. What does this have to do with any of us? It has everything to do with with each and every one of us. Because I think that there's, there's a few things that we need to walk away with. And to be able to take from this passage. Because I know that there's so much more in here and so much looking at. But the first thing, going back to the beginning, is the fact that the Father's desire is for you to be redeemed. The Father wants you to be redeemed. I believe wholeheartedly, if you were not here, with you being here this morning, this is a sign that the Father wants you to be redeemed. There is not a single one of us in this room this morning that the Father did not send His Son to die on the cross for Every single one of us did he send a son. He cares about you. He cares about everything going on within your life. He is a father who is intricately involved and loves you and is working within your life. But we always, every single one of us, had the problem that our sinfulness is what has separated us from God and it's kept us away from God. Some of you may be saying, well, Chris, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've gone through. There is nothing too big for our God. There is absolutely nothing too big for who God is. But some of you may be believers And I hope that most of you are, and you're sitting there, well, Chris, I still have these sins that keep coming up, that I keep battling, keep fighting, keep dealing with, and I don't seem like, just feel that I can shake it. Jesus Christ has conquered that sin too. Even though we fight it, that's a sign of his conquering Back in 2013, I believe it was August 8th, Pastor Mike delivered a sermon, How Do We Know That We're Saved? We persevere. We keep going. We keep walking. We keep trudging. We surround ourselves with other believers to help us fight those sins and to overcome them because they've already been conquered. Jesus Christ has already been conquering them. He has already conquered them. But a fourth thing that we, I believe we need to walk away with it, is that as believers, we have a hope that no one else has. And folks, this is something to celebrate and it is something to praise God about. We have a hope of a coming Savior who is coming and who is going to restore His kingdom and we are going to be restored as well. Folks, that is something so exciting to be able to look forward to as believers, knowing that one day we will be with our Savior, and we will be with the universal church from all times past, gathered around the throne, worshiping King Jesus. That is what we're able to look forward to in the hope. But then the fifth and final thing is that you may reject Jesus now, but one day you won't have any choice, but I'm afraid it will be too late for you then. So I'm, I'm begging you, repent and believe in Jesus Christ. The God that we serve is an amazing God and an incredible God. And whenever you look at this passage, I can't help but get excited about what's going to take place. And my prayer for you, church, is that as you read this passage, you are just overwhelmed with joy because of who Jesus Christ is and what we have to look forward to. The altars are going to be open, and you can respond. If you need to pray, these altars are open, and you can come down and pray. But if you are actually, if the Holy Spirit is, is tugging on you and is moving in your heart saying it's time to repent and believe, you don't have to come up here. I'll be down front. You can do it right there in your seat because we make it public to the world whenever we're baptized. And so I would invite you that, if, that some of you, it may be time that you say, hey, Chris, I need to follow through with obedience and baptism as well because of the gospel life change within you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for your grace, and I thank you for your goodness, and I thank you for how attentive just everyone was, Father. And I thank you that as believers, Father, we have so much to hope for, so much to look forward to, Father. And I pray that we would be able to stand up in just a moment and just to be able to celebrate who you are and how great of a God that you are and that we're able to sing praise and worship back to you. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand this morning.